The Tech Qualified Podcast is dedicated to providing B2B technology marketers with access to real-world case studies and best practices. We interview industry leaders to uncover what's working in the world of B2B technology marketing. If you're wondering how you can position your technology company as the choice in the marketplace, then follow along as we go on this journey together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tech Qualified. I'm Justin Brown and this episode of Tech Qualified is brought to you by Motion, a marketing agency that focuses on the strategy and development of thought leadership programs for B2B tech companies. Today, our guest is Amy King, the VP of Marketing at Zaloni. Amy, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Justin. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And as we get started here and to give our audience a little bit of background, do you mind telling us a little bit about your past experience and then what you're up to now at Zaloni? Sure. My path to marketing was a little different. I got a master's in art history, and I actually think that ended up being a degree that was really about critical thinking. And that led me to an interest in product marketing, and from there into broader marketing. I came to Zaloni after managing marketing in a company called Pixelate, and I've worked both across ad tech and in software, working with tech teams to really grow marketing at their organizations. And for those who aren't aware, you know, it's good to give our audience an understanding of your organization. Can you tell us a little bit about Zaloni and who's your ideal customer? Sure. So at Zaloni, we do, from a marketing perspective, we're marketing to large enterprises. So everything from regulated businesses like banks, core customers include people like TIAA or Bremer Bank, pharma, healthcare, insurance, companies like LabCorp and PwC. And what we're doing is we're providing to them an end-to-end data ops solution. So we work across the data management space, streamlining their data ecosystem, making it run faster better and at a lower cost. That's great. And in terms of your specific ideal customer profile, what does that look like? What kind of people are you typically working with? Yeah, personas are interesting, especially in large enterprise B2B, because inevitably you're selling to quite a few people. Our primary persona is usually that CIO, CTO, or VP of data and analytics that we're speaking to at a high level. And then we also want to always make sure that we're speaking to our end users. And those are both on the IT side, the engineer and the data steward, and then also on the data and analytics side, those analysts and data scientists. We really found in the data space that there used to be a really separate function between IT and business, and those have really come together. So from a persona perspective, it's nice. We get to talk to both the IT side and the business side and user as well. And do you mind telling us a little bit about the customer journey? Let's start with how you're getting people interested in what you're doing at Zaloni. Is it an SDR, BDR team? Are you using ads or organic? Or how are you getting people noticed? Or how are you getting yourself noticed? And how are you getting people interested in Zaloni? Yeah, it's a great question. Data management is a pretty crowded space. So we're working across a lot of competitors and we're working with customers that already have pretty complex data ecosystems. So getting them to know who we are is first a big challenge. And we use a lot of inbound for that. Marketing automation activities through paid advertising, a lot of social and a lot of content. So content drives a lot of engagement for us. And then adding things like webinars and virtual events, all to really build that top of funnel. 
SEO is a big focus. And we do a lot of work to make sure we're doing a very data-driven analysis of that funnel. We drive everything into Google's Data Studio based off of Marketo and Salesforce and our SEMrush and all the other Google Analytics tools that we're using to really look at how many MQLs we're driving each week. And then we have an SDR team on top of that that takes people who've moved to the SQL level and they pursue them individually. So it's a tag team effort between inbound and outbound to make sure we're grabbing more hand raisers at the top of funnel and then really nurturing them with a lot of Marketo and outreach streams and personal outreach through the SDR team to get them to convert to opportunity. And how has that changed over the last few months? I'm sure there are things you're doing differently and ways that you've had to evolve. What do some of those look like? Yeah, it's interesting. We thought when COVID started that our outbound was going to see more engagement, sort of theorizing that as people were sitting at home and behind their computers, they'd be picking up their phones more and opening up more of those emails. But it's actually, we found the pickup on the inbound side. People are seem to not be answering their mobile phones, which isn't a huge surprise from home as they know those calls are largely unrecognized. And same thing for just so much spam email. So we've really been focusing a lot of our efforts on the inbound side during this time and have seen great pickup when it comes to webinars and virtual events and content consumption. So those things have been great for us in the past few months. And I actually expect to see that continue. That's really interesting. Yeah, you know, I think people are finding alternatives to just the traditional SDR and outbound approach. So in terms of your inbound, what does some of that look like? So you mentioned a webinar strategy. Do you mind diving into that a little bit? It sounds like it's working or working better than other things. Talk to me a little bit about what that strategy looks like. Yeah, so for instance, next week we're doing what we're calling a virtual event. It's a two-hour open house for a new platform, our Arena platform that we launched about a month and a half ago. And we're bringing in experts from AWS, Wayne Eckerson from Eckerson Group, along with some of our own experts and a demo. And we're allowing people, you know, you can drop in, drop out, attend the sessions that you like. And it's a great way for us to increase, you know, again, bring new people into the fold, co-market with a lot of our partners and drive engagement in a friendly kind of way. We use Brighttalk as our webinar platform and we're using their live function for some of the sessions. And we've just found the flexibility of having these virtual events that give all kinds of attendees the potential to consume just the content that they wanna see to be very successful. And are you capturing any of that content and then repurposing it afterward? How are you really leveraging the content piece of that? Yeah, we definitely find for most webinars these days, the long tail life cycle of the webinar is more engaging ultimately than the event itself. The amount of views that we get post, as long as we've properly optimized it, really go a long way to growing the engagement of that piece of that webinar piece of content. So for example, we had one a couple months ago with a customer of ours, Bremer Bank, and it was on customer 360 really creating a complete view of your customer and using that for marketing purposes and how you can do that better with more streamlined data ops. And that piece of content, I think it had a 10x view rate post showing. So almost 10 times the number of people have viewed it since we actually aired the webinar. And it was well attended as a webinar itself. So that long tail holds a lot of value and it's something that we really incorporate into the strategy. 
Yeah, that's awesome that, you know, it's funny. I come from a time, once upon a time, where we would work at a lot of events and help to create content in and around events. And one of my favorite requests was to record a speaker that's on stage that's talking for like an hour during a session, and then that would go online, and nobody would ever consume it. And it seems like the world is changing a little bit to where people really are consuming longer-form content, whether in the form of a podcast or a webinar. I'm not sure if that's just a trend that we've seen really take place, but it is interesting that you're seeing that huge amount of consumption even after the fact. Oh, yeah. And I know personally for things that I like to consume and attend, I rarely (laughs) attend them in the moment they're happening. But I do always save the recording and I do go back and watch them. We really do live in an age of convenience where we all consume content when we're walking our dogs or have time in the evening or whenever it is. And it's great to have that availability. We've upped our YouTube channel quite a bit with all of this content. And that also then becomes another great way to really increase engagement as you have enough a content platform there to really drive interest. That's great. Tell me a little more about the YouTube channel. I know that is like a medium that I find very interesting that has seemed harder for people to be able to succeed in when it comes to B2B. What are you doing on the YouTube side? Is that just where you're posting your stuff from your webinars or can you talk to me a little bit about your YouTube strategy? Yeah, I think we definitely have a ways to go. Right now, we're largely just posting and then making sure that it's as optimized as possible. I think in the not too distant future, we really need to have a sort of content on top of that content that helps walk people through our YouTube channel and helps provide additional channel content on top of that specifically to YouTube and to our video as a channel, if you will. So we have a little ways to go there, but we already see a high likelihood that if you're going to consume one of the videos on our YouTube channel, you're likely going to watch another. So that's been very helpful from getting people more eyeballs onto the content and then driving them to the website. Absolutely. And then if we pivot back to Zaloni a little bit, do you mind talking to me a little bit about the end of the customer journey or after someone has interest? How long is your sales cycle? What goes into the rest of it from that actual initial interest of someone raising their hand actually to customer conversion? Yeah, that's a big process for us. Our average customer contract value is around 300000 So we have an extensive, sometimes an extensive journey, sometimes a long sales cycle, sometimes not depending on how big their need is, but it tends to be a fairly long sales cycle. So once someone's raised their hand and they become an MQL, our goal is to then score them up in Marketo. So making sure they're consuming enough content, They're opening some of those Marketo emails. They have a lot of different streams set up with a lot of personalization based on the title of the person, their industry, and what we think they're interested in. And then as we move them down through the funnel, we want them to either request a demo on our website or we want them to raise their hand and say that they're interested. Once they do that, then our SDR team kicks in and they're pursuing them individually through outreach and they're also then entered into streams in outreach that are even more highly personalized and they go through that journey as well. Ultimately then, we want to make sure that we're converting the SQLs into opportunities, and that's also the job of the SDR team. So we tend to find there's at least seven to nine touch points per MQL before they reach the level of having a phone call with one of our SDRs. So 
it's a pretty heavy journey, but we have a lot of content behind it, whether those are blogs or white papers that we've just released or pieces that we've done with partners. We do a lot of demo videos and training. A lot of those videos are very use case driven. So we're sending people strategic, nice, short, three minute, accomplish some challenge. And those tend to really help move people down the funnel. But it's a mix of a lot of different content types in order to really get them from that marginally interested phase to I want to get a demo. And I'm curious, so the SDR team, I know you said you have the big outbound, you have outbound and inbound. Does the SDR team fall under marketing or under sales? Yeah, it's always that question. They fall under marketing at Zaloni, but I tend to not like the division between marketing and sales. We work super closely with sales, a lot of joint meetings, joint conversations. It's a team effort between the SDR and the salesperson. We never want to incent a fence between sales and marketing. So we make sure that they are co-incented, that they're working very closely together, and that fence is really broken down in every way that we can. Yeah, that was going to be my question was how do sales and marketing work together at your organization? So you started to dive into that a little bit. And it sounds like there's a lot of good engagement there between the two teams. How do you engage with the head of sales? What are some of the things that you do to try to keep that alignment? Yeah, so we're always in communication. I see marketing as if we do our job well, then sales is happy. We want to make sure that we're getting them good quality leads and the number that they want. We want to make sure they have all the collateral, the messaging, all of the positioning and things that they need to be successful. So we want to make sure everything is teed up for them to have a really great conversation with a customer. We want them to have the use cases, the case studies, all of the quotes and stats and things that are there. That toolkit needs to be filled for them and that's really how we see marketing functioning. Filling that toolkit and then making sure there's a seamless process from lead to SDR to salesperson. If all of that's working well, then I have a really great, I have a lot of credit when I'm working with our head of sales and they have a lot of confidence in our team. So that's how we work at Zaloni and that's usually how I've found it to work best at other companies as well. That's awesome. I think that setup between marketing and sales is huge to the success of an organization from a revenue perspective. So great to hear. Now talking a little bit more and a quick pivot to more of your traditional marketing, I guess, but we've talked a little bit about the webinar. I am curious what else you're doing more on the brand side with content in terms of thought leadership and just establishing Zaloni as an authority in your space. Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like it's an area where a lot of B2B marketing can struggle. Uh, Coming out of product marketing, product is always at the heart of where I tend to start a lot of our marketing approaches. We are the voice of product. And that means often being a pretty technical voice. And sometimes that means we need to talk even to our most technical users, the engineers and stewards that we work with. So we have to be very careful in making sure that we are reaching each of those personas. So from a thought leadership perspective, we're often leaning on people in our product department or in our engineering departments to help us with topics that they're finding really interesting and their colleagues are talking about. 
They are great writers and happy to put a little polish on top of it, but we're very lucky to have contributors from the more technical sides of the business. We work closely with our partners like at Gartner and others, and sometimes content comes from some of our thought leadership partners too, and we enjoy working with them on that because they're experts and their expertise really lends credibility to a lot of what we're doing. And then we're also really lucky to have a great executive team. So our CEO is a great voice for us. Our chief product officer is a great voice for us. So is our head of engineering. So we really take advantage of their voices and work with our PR firm to make sure that we're getting those stories out into the market. We found surprisingly during COVID quite an appetite for content in the media. And that's really helped us really grow that awareness too but it requires to have a lot of writers and that's been, we've really taken advantage of that. So do a lot of people within your organization are willing to write for you? <laughs> With some encouragement, yes. <laughs> Yeah, tell me about that because it's definitely something that we see a lot, which is talented, smart people within organization. Marketing would love to have their insights much harder to have those insights get from their brain to content. Yes, and it can be. We tend to encourage people to not be intimidated and to write about what they love, what they're interested in, what they're passionate about. And more often than not, those thoughts can become a story. Sometimes we're actually asking them to put proverbial pen to paper. Sometimes we're interviewing them, and that interview can become a story that we write. But many people are great at either talking or writing about what they do. And then it's just a matter of putting a story behind it, the angle that needs for that story to be successful. But we have found that if you can come to someone with the perspective of what you have to say matters, you are an expert in your field and help show us like what you're seeing, what you're reading, what you're finding interesting, and that will become a story that I promise someone else is interested in too. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you just see it so often that people would love to have, whether it's a CEO or just a technical person who is very bright at the organization, to have their expertise leveraged in content. But it's, sometimes people even find it's easier to get people from outside your organization to <laughs> contribute content than it is to get the people inside the organization. It's true, but I do find when you can get the voices from inside the company, they know you best, and they're the ones that are often most excited to speak. We're also really lucky to have a CEO who is a woman, a head of HR who is a woman, and then myself running marketing too. So we have a lot of great women leadership in the company. We're also a very diverse organization, as two-thirds of our company is based in India. And all of that put together also adds another lens to a lot of our voices that enable us not just to talk technically about what we do, but to talk in other avenues as well about leadership and a lot of topics around diversity and other things that add, again, they just expand the number of avenues that are open to us from a media perspective. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Just sounds like there's a lot of alignment within the organization. There is, which has actually made it a lot of fun. I've worked in companies that aren't like that before. <laughs> and it's amazing how when you do have a lot of great alignment, you can eliminate a lot of the time spent trying to deal with conflict or political situations. So question for you here. How long have you been at Zaloni? Almost a year and a quarter. 
Gotcha. So an interesting time for a marketer for sure. You've had a chance to kind of put a plan together and then you got to have that plan ripped apart by the pandemic. But (laughs) usually an interesting time going on a little over a year for you and everyone else, probably more interesting than most stories. But I'm curious, what did marketing look like when you got to Zaloni and how has it changed to now? Marketing, yes, it's changed a lot. <laughs> when I came in, they didn't have a, they not really had a head of marketing for a little bit of time. And they were in the process of thinking about bringing in a new CEO. So we actually came in and I have a great team and we did a lot of looking at where the gaps were and what we needed to improve. And that ended up being a full rebrand. So everything from new logos, colors, branding, to an entirely new website, ground up, and then all the corresponding collateral pitch, establishing what was our positioning, our messaging, what were the core differentiators, the whole product marketing sort of matrix, and then everything built on top of that. And then looking at our demand gen funnel, once we've gotten a lot of that framework in place, and how we needed to really use all of that new messaging and content to promote our engagement. So it's really been a reset, (laughs) but it's been fun. I've been really lucky to have a team that's excited about all of that and the growth that it keeps, the return on growth that we keep seeing is inspiring to people. So it's been a lot of work, but it's also been a really fun journey with a lot of creativity, a lot of contribution and excitement for the team. So you've had this journey now for the last year and a quarter. And what is something that you would give, if you could give Amy King of a year and a quarter ago a piece of advice, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Start the inbound earlier. Inbound just matters so much, and I only see it becoming more and more important. As we get so many great intent tools, marketing automation tools, ways to really capture people's attention, that inbound funnel and grabbing the awareness, especially in B2B enterprise, getting people interested is tough, but there's a lot of really great data-driven applications that are gonna help you get there and start building that early. Obviously, measuring is important and critical, but think about really growing each of those levers on the inbound as early as you can. There's no one silver bullet there, but they all work in coordination. And I would just tell myself to start that from day one. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's one of those things where if you can have people coming to you rather than having to tap them on the shoulder, it's a pretty nice situation and probably helps a lot with that sales alignment that you have. It does, and I think I always thought because, or initially thought that because we were working with large enterprises, regulated, sort of fixed verticals, that we should be more of an account-based marketing department, because a lot of the companies were known and that kind of thing. But it actually has turned out that inbound has really, very strategic, personalized inbound has been very successful for us. Well, we're coming up on our time here, Amy, so I have a couple of questions here before I let you go. The first one is, what kind of resources do you leverage to make sure that you're up to speed on things that are going on in B2B marketing? 
Yeah, as many as I have time to. We have a great Gartner relationship and we do a lot of analyst briefings actually across six or seven different analyst firms. And so making sure that I'm doing the inquiries and briefings with the analysts and hearing what they have to think matters a lot. Then making sure we're consuming as much of their content as I can. That's become very important too. And then a lot of just the traditional media channels. I follow quite a few newsletters that I enjoy. Everything from things like CIO.com and ZDNet and TechTarget, TechRadar, then to more niche applications database trends and applications and things like that. So everything from media consumption to a lot of the experts that we're able to leverage. And then honestly, just my LinkedIn feed. It's amazing. I don't go a day without at least having a couple great pieces in there that really have helped me with a lot of the strategic work we're doing. Awesome. And last question here for you is where can people go to find you and to find Zaloni? Yeah, so Zaloni.com, Z-A-L-O-N-I.com. We love the website. Please visit it. And I am there too, but also on LinkedIn. And on Twitter, I'm Amy C. King 28 Awesome. Well, we will update the show notes with all of that. Amy, it was great having you on. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. It was fantastic having you on Tech Qualified. Thank you, Justin. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And for our audience, thanks for listening as well. If you're looking to generate engaging conversations with your ideal customers while also positioning your tech as the choice in the marketplace, then access Motion's Ultimate Thought Leadership course for B2B tech companies. The online course provides a complete step-by-step process required to establish a thought leadership program using a podcast or a video series. Get free immediate access today by visiting motionagency.io slash access. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us on this episode of Tech Qualified. If you're looking to generate engaging conversations with your ideal customer profile, while also positioning your tech as a choice in the marketplace, then access Motion's ultimate thought leadership course for B2B tech companies. The online course provides a complete step-by-step process required to establish a thought leadership program using a podcast or video series. Get free immediate access today by visiting motionagency.io slash access.